Good morning. <laughs> Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. So good, so good, so good to be in the house of the Lord with God's people. And this morning is a particularly special morning as we take some time in just a moment to baptize those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And this is a significant service for various reasons. The high point of the Christian year is Resurrection Sunday because of what happened on this day that we celebrate. Our Savior, who died, was risen again. And because of that, we have hope. Amen? Now, I want you to do something for me. Just turn to the person next to you and say, your face doesn't show that Christ is risen. <laughs> you may have it inside, yeah, but your face looks like this is not the case. Sometimes we let our face catch up with what's inside of us. And I'm so grateful for the, the truth, the hope we have this morning. I want to share with you, my name is uh, Stuart Williams. I am a pastor here at Skyview. And if you are visiting with us today, we want to make sure that you know you are welcome amongst us. We are a people of faith desiring to know Christ and to grow in Him, not only for our own benefit, but for the blessing of this neighborhood, of this city, and beyond into our nation and the world. We believe that our faith matters, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of the world in which we live. And this is the kind of church that God has called us to be. Before I share some very simple thoughts with you this morning, based upon one of my favorite biblical texts, a resurrection text, if you will, I want us to pray together. And now I have to find my notes. It's down here. I lost my sermon notes twice this morning. I don't know if the Spirit is trying to tell me something. <laughs> and some of you are saying, you have notes? You use notes? <laughs> That's an inside joke. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to stand with me one more time. We're going to read uh, together after we pray this prayer. And after I've read the scripture, I'll invite you to be seated. Let's pray this prayer together. Living God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the new light of this day. Open our lips to tell of the empty tomb and open our hearts to believe the good news through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad, 
Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. Where are the astounding women today? Amen. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread, the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The claim we make on this day, on this Easter Sunday, also known as Resurrection Sunday, is that Christ is risen. By this we join millions today across the world who affirm the central claim of our Christian faith. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Without this day, all we do is futile. But on this day, we stand with millions who affirm the same faith. And if we, as the church of God, can just find some grace today, irrespective of the Christian tradition, to at least on a day like this stand in solidarity, wherever Christ is proclaimed as the risen one, perhaps we get a taste of the power of God that has overcome Satan's sin and death, and since that very day has birthed a church 
that is across this entire globe who together affirm on this day the singular truth that holds it all together that death does not win. Y'all got to do better. (laughs) It is good news for those today who no longer desire to live in fear. I would suggest to you that today matters more than we think it does. This is a day in which one of the early church fathers proclaimed these words. Now, some of the language is a little bit inaccessible to us because it's a little archaic, but I think you will catch the message and the hope. Listen to John Chrysostom, who wrote these words many years ago. This is what he says about Jesus on the day of resurrection. He has destroyed death by undergoing death. He has despoiled, that means he has robbed hell by descending into hell. He vexed, that is frustrated. He frustrated hell even as he tasted of his own flesh. Isaiah foretold this when he cried, hell was filled with bitterness when it met thee face to face below. Filled with bitterness, for it was brought to nothing. Filled with bitterness, for it was mocked. Hell was filled with bitterness, for it was overthrown. Hell was filled with bitterness, for it was put in change. Just just listen to this. Hell received a body and encountered the living God. It received earth and confronted heaven. O death. Where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen, and you, O death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life is liberated. Christ is risen, and the tomb is emptied of its dead. For Christ, having risen from the dead, is become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and power now and forever from all ages to all ages. Amen. (laughs) That old fourth century early father could preach. But you say to me, This is the main event today, Stu, so get on with it. (laughs) What does this day really mean? What are the implications of having a faith that believes that death does not hold the ultimate power? I think that at the time of Jesus, those who were in power relied upon the power of death to hold people in check. The Romans ruled with the threat of persecution and the threat of death. While we do not live in a culture, in a world in which we have the same kind of, the same kind of sovereign dictatorship, 
as the people of the day of Jesus, we understand what it means to have our lives shaped by fear. Fear of failing health, fear of loss of employment, fear of the end of a relationship, fear of the end of our own security, fear of the loss of our children, fear of the future. But on this day, Jesus Christ proclaims to those walking with him on the road to Emmaus that the scriptures have been profoundly preparing the world for this truth, that even when fear runs its course to the grave itself, that because of God and what he would do through Jesus Christ, fear does not win and death does not last. Hence this affirmation that today the church does not live by fear, but in faith and hope that even when the worst happens to us, our hope does not cease because of who is risen today. Now, y'all in the middle here. Y'all in the middle. You're very reserved. You're the kind of folks that when you go to heaven, you think you're the only ones there. So I'm going to need you to step up a little, Wally. I'm watching you. The road to Emmaus is a road that is interesting, and I want to just reflect very quickly. I wish I would preach a full sermon on this, but this is what I want to say. I have a few images I want to just throw up here just to give us a visual. Road to Emmaus, uh, 1891, interesting. Kind of a country landscape. Uh, <laughs> I want to say it looks a little like Saskatchewan in, in, in August, in, in those three days in August where it's really nice. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, the scriptures tell us that there are two people walking with Jesus. One's named Cleopas, the other one is not named. We don't know if they were male or female. We do know that they were in the same household. Could have been a husband and wife. Just want to affirm this to you. That woman probably plays the most significant role around the resurrection as bearers of the good news of Jesus Christ. And they are often overlooked. When I think about my own upbringing and the woman of faith that have embodied for me the truth of Jesus Christ, there are more women than men. I say this to the men here today. Walk with Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. Set an example in your home of who Jesus is. Love Jesus and love your family. There's another image. This one, uh, I love the big trees. Uh, 1640 trying to show us, and, and I don't have my glasses on, I'm at the age where I have to take my glasses off to see and then put it on to see. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not going to buy focals. No way. No. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, at least you're laughing. Landscape with Christ and his disciples on the road to Emmaus. I, I, like, I like the topography. I like the landscape. Uh, if you notice, Jesus has a little bit of a halo over his head. Do you see that? Now, ancient iconography, uh, Christian paintings from centuries ago, they always felt it impressed to highlight the divinity of somebody or the presence of God by putting something around their head. I, however, want you to say that that can be misleading, especially when you read the text. For the Jesus who shows up walking with those two disciples looked as ordinary as they, hence the fact that they did not even think 
that he was the resurrected Messiah. You know what the Bible teaches us? Is that God inhabits the ordinary in such a way and transforms it by his very presence. He doesn't necessarily show us his power the way we think, but he's always with his people. I don't know what road you're on. Emmaus is a road of failed hopes. Emmaus is the road that disciples walk when they feel like what they wanted from God, God did not deliver. You know why they don't see Jesus? The scripture says they were kept from seeing Jesus. Some of us read that and we say, well, did God keep them from seeing who Jesus is? No. They were kept for multiple reasons, at least in my reading of the scripture. Here's the first reason why I think they don't see who Jesus is. They had hoped for a different Jesus. They didn't want a suffering Jesus. Their Messiah was not going to die. Their Messiah was going to rule from the center of Roman power. Their Messiah was going to bring them alongside him and say, you have this region, you have this region, and this is how many soldiers you have. But the Jesus that we see is the one who goes to his knees and washes the feet of the disciples. You see, the, the road to Emmaus is a road that we all travel. Some of us here know what disappointment feels like. <sighs> the last two years, can I get an amen? Come on, let's just name it. Let's lament together. I'm going to use the very Greek word, okay? It sucked. <laughs> it took from us. We've lost people. We've become cynical. Friends have been lost. The last two years have been hard. It's been difficult. You know, Christianity, I don't know why it is that we think Christianity doesn't make room for the real truth. Let's just name it for what it is. There are times where we go through hard things that makes us ask the question, where is Jesus? You know what the answer to that question is? Jesus is always where he is most needed. Even in the darkest of places, he is there. Sometimes our disappointment will keep us from the faith we need to see that which is not perceptible to others, but is as true as the promises of God, for he says, I will never. Listen, come on now. I will never. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I am with you in your despondency. I'm in with you when you're confused. I'm with you when what you thought I should do, I didn't do, because I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, shall live again. There is no fear and no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You want to know how much fear shapes your life? You want to know how much fear shapes your decisions? Think about it. Despondency, disappointment, loss, these are things that keeps us from seeing the resurrection hope. 
unmet expectations. We had hoped that you were going to redeem Israel, but you died. We hoped you are going to fix everything in my life that is broken, but you didn't. I prayed and asked for relief for years and years and years, and here I am still carrying the same burden. What's that song? He giveth more grace. I'm going to try and find some good old hymn singers here. When the burden grows greater. We have not been promised a cross-free existence. One of the reasons the resurrection doesn't really change the way we live today is because where we learn to carry the burdens with the same grace and faithfulness of God. Let me say this to you. If you're here today asking that God would remove your burdens, I know he can. If you're here today saying, Stu, you don't really know how hard my life is. You don't know how much I'm facing. You don't know the challenges I'm praying about. You don't know what my children are like. You don't know what my husband is like. You don't know what my boss is like. You don't know what my bank account is like. I want to just say, just flat out, that God is able to do immeasurably more than we think or even imagine. But let me also say this, if he does not, his grace is sufficient to carry you through. I think another reason, and I close with this, and all God's people says, praise the Lord. He is not pointless this morning, he has a point. Is that they knew the scripture. But they fail to see the hope. Let me slow that down. They knew the scripture, but they failed to see hope. Devout, well-educated, knew the Torah, probably was able to recite Isaiah, Jeremiah, You know, the Gospels offers us this wonderful image and picture of Jesus as healer and miracle worker. But you know what the scripture from beginning to end is affirming? That there will come a Messiah, and he will come to make right what we cannot make right, no matter how religious and hard we work at it. There will come a Messiah who comes to vindicate that which sin and Satan seeks to keep bound. There will come a Messiah that says this, If you place your faith in him, no matter what you go through, you shall live. I wonder this morning, on this Resurrection Sunday, if this disappointment, unmet expectations, or perhaps reading scripture in a way that does not lead us to true faith has kept some of us from truly having hope that the invitation of the Lord to us this day is to place our hope and trust in him. It is in their home 
as he takes the bread, as he blesses it, as he breaks it and gives it to them, that their eyes are opened. It is in the home that they get to see who they've been traveling with. And today, could it be that in the assembly of God's people, the body gathered in his name, someone here may discern who Jesus is. In a moment, we're going to baptize folks. Baptism is a wonderful sacrament of the church. It is something that celebrates that our eyes have been opened to the Lordship of Jesus. We're going to do a little bit something, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I've met with baptismal candidates. We have four this morning. Can I get an amen? <laughs> four people who have said yes to Jesus and want to be baptized, and they're going to get ready in just a moment. But here's what I want to do. Yesterday, my wife and I, we went to Walmart. It was one of the most sacred Walmart visits you can have. We bought extra large, large, medium, and small swimming shorts. We bought really good quality t-shirts. Because today I want to extend to you if you are sincere in putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, oh, by the way, I also bought really nice towels. If you're sincere in putting your faith in Jesus today, and you want to be baptized as an affirmation and a witness to your faith, you can go through those doors, Pastor Ryan, and Juanita, our other locally licensed minister, where is she? She's already back there. Now, I don't want to put it this way. If no one goes, I'm not going to be disappointed. We still have four. I'll be disappointed, but... More importantly, this can be in a moment in which you step into the life that God has called you to step into. I want to make this very clear. Our profession of faith, that means that we say to Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us. And we say, Jesus, fill us with your spirit and give us new life so that we would live for you. Live for you. It's an essential part of baptism, but here's the part that often doesn't get spoken about. That it is that Jesus that steps into the waters with us and welcomes us with so much grace and says this, welcome home. As the worship team comes, I'm going to quickly go and change. And maybe there is one or two of you. There's only five shorts, so the first five, you're in. <laughs> the others who come after that are going home wet, but that's okay. But if you are ready to be baptized this morning and would like to join us in doing so, we invite you to go and meet Pastor Ryan. He will meet with you very briefly and get you ready for baptism. Let us continue to worship.